Hi, Kevin McCullough. I want to talk to you about a great family tradition in celebrating the birth of Christ right here in the middle of New York. In fact, at Carnegie Hall on December the 15th at 730 in the evening, imagine yourself singing Christmas carols with Keith and Kristen Getty, a big choir, and 2,000 of your best friends here in New York. The Gettys just got their first Grammy nomination, and they're going to have Grammy winner Ricky Skaggs joining them. And then it's going to be an evening of worship and Christmas caroling with Celtic, bluegrass, classical, and modern music all wrapped up in a vibrant celebration of Christmas. Sing an Irish Christmas at Carnegie Hall, December 15th. Learn more at gettymusic.com slash NYC. That's gettymusic.com slash NYC. Hope is hard to find. A new collection of real-life stories from Fox News' Harris Faulkner reveals how salvation came when it was needed most. Faith still moves mountains. Miraculous stories of the healing power of prayer. Order now at foxnewsbooks.com. Ding, dong, ding, dong. That is the song with joyful ring of caroling. One seems to hear words of good cheer from everywhere. Filling the air. Yeah, Breaking news as it happens. You're listening to Kevin McCullough Radio. All right, I, I just got to point this out. Yesterday, and I think it was kind of, I don't know, co- coincidence. Very interesting timing. I had written about Elon Musk over the weekend, and then yesterday, Time Magazine reveals its top six persons that they are considering for person of the year. And I don't think there's any, there's there's not even an ounce of doubt in my head of the six that they have on that list, which are Liz Cheney, Ron DeSantis, Xi Jinping, um, a couple of others, I don't remember all of them, and then Elon Musk. Uh, is Is it in fact, is he in fact person of the year worthy? Well, I would argue that given the topsy-turvy nature of what he has done to the entire discussion of national security, government, uh, interference in elections and so forth, that there's no one even close in the running. But let me find out what Katie McFarland thinks, because uh, she was actually on the receiving end of some of the maltreatment that Twitter and others were dishing out in the last couple of election cycles. KT, always good to have you back with us. Um, I'll ask you your opinion on the person of the year idea in a second. But first, what do you make of what Elon's done uh, with the Twitter files and his promise to even reveal more transparently the conversations and goings-ons that were happening at Twitter before he made his purchase? Put it in this context. If you were reading about a foreign country that was trying to influence American elections, that was sabotaging political leaders, was you know clearly putting the thumb on the scale to its preferred um, people, and it was censoring freedom of thought, you think, oh yeah, that's China, that's Russia. But it turns out that the evidence is now that, as Elon Musk is revealing, not only was it Twitter and social media, but it was the Department of Justice. And I think it's pretty stunning. You know, it's worth taking a step back and thinking, wait a minute. So we have a Department of Justice, an FBI, who was working with social media and the Democrat media press to basically censor um, conservative voices, to sabotage Republican candidates, and to throw an election. Yeah. It's pretty serious stuff, and I think that's what 
Elon Musk has the ability to do is to reveal all of that. Now, maybe well, the American people don't care. I kind of think they do. I don't think the New York Times cares. But I do think the American people were pretty. Well, you know what's interesting about that? Because when he released the Twitter files last week, and the uh, reporter whose name is slipping my mind at this moment uh, did kind of. Mac Taibbi. Yes. And he does kind of the deep dive explanations of all of it. The reactions on Twitter were, well, don't you know that that was Trump's Justice Department? Oh, that was under Trump's watch because he was still president then. And I'm like, do any of you have any memory or recollection at all as to how the Justice Department worked uh, during the Trump years? It wasn't exactly a part of the, you know, a whole cloth administration working together for the goals of the administration. Yeah, in fact, it was working against the goals of the administration. Um to me, the, the biggest sort of story of this, if you, if you look back from the bigger perspective, the biggest problem in America right now is, is the political division and all the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the fact that we now are in a situation where the government, the permanent establishment government, is, has basically said to the American people, look, you just do what we're telling you to do. And we right. have, you're not smart enough to govern yourself. That was what the whole Russia investigation was. Right? It was the Justice Department and other sort of the Washington establishment saying to the American people, look, you voted for the wrong guy in 2016. We know better so, than you. We know better than you. So just be quiet. Fall in line and we're going to sabotage this guy that you made the mistake of voting for. Maybe, look, maybe the American people vote for a wrong presidential candidate or a wrong senator or a wrong congressman. That's what democracies are all about. It gives you the right and the responsibility to next time around change. It is not up to a bunch of self-appointed, self-selected, holier-than-thou, arrogant elites to say we know better than the American people because they're just not quite smart enough. And well, they're not coming to the right conclusions. So we're going to do it for them. Which makes it hilarious when Elizabeth Warren comes out and says, I don't think one man like Elon Musk should have the the, the right to say who gets to speak and who doesn't, as if the five people that were running Twitter before him were any better at deciding who got to be censored and who didn't. And in fact, he continues to demonstrate transparency in pulling up these things and, and putting them out there. And I, along those lines, KT, because, and I think this is a much more important issue than what the people realize, the laptop suppression, the laptop story suppression, didn't just suppress bad behavior about Hunter Biden and his possible sexual liaisons with his, you know, niece or uh, prostitutes or, uh, you know, all the kind of the tawdry things that it included. It didn't just put him in criminal jeopardy for crimes that he perhaps was associated with, but there were national security and presidential criminal activity from his father's time as the VP, post-VP, uh, and, and it should have impacted how the, the, the voters were able to view him in light of that for the election in 2020. But this is a much bigger issue. And while the Post and the Times have both come out and basically verified that they got it wrong and that the New York Post was right uh, from the beginning, there's nothing being done about it. And Twitter is kind of the smoking gun to say, hey, we... We, we we told all of you guys, and, and yeah, we, we squelched it and all the rest of it, but shouldn't there be more uh, legit prosecution of what's going on, of, what, of the criminality contained on that laptop than what has been to date so far? Here's my worry, is that I do believe that the um, various congressional committees, oversight committee, judici judiciary committee, et cetera, in the House, are going to look into this, and I do think that they'll come up with some pretty stunning revelations. Now what happens next? 
Well, in a normal political environment, they would be able to say, look, Justice Department, we're Congress. We can't charge individuals or companies with crimes, but you can. So that they would refer to the Justice Department and say, Justice Department, here's the evidence we've uncovered of real malfeasance, I mean, potentially, frankly, even treason, right? And, and we think that you should prosecute these individuals for what they were doing to try to subvert the election. And then it's up to the Biden administration, Justice Department, to basically charge its own people with malfeasance. And I, I don't see that happening. So I think that the worrisome thing I have is, okay, I think the crimes are there. I, and I do believe that they will be revealed, perhaps not reported on in the New York Times, but they will be revealed. But then Washington is going to say, ah, who cares, you know, in your face. And, and the example I point to and in, in the evidence of sort of why I'm, I'm coming to this horrible conclusion is that look at Hunter Biden. I mean, he's caught red-handed. Yeah. And yet, where has he been in the last couple of weeks? In your face. Um, going to White House events, being celebrated, being hugged and cheered as, as if he's, you know, it's, it's he doesn't even have to hide in shame. He's just sort of right there in plain face. And that I find really pretty appalling. Well, and if that's in fact the case with him, who is the big guy and what did the 10% consist of and how many deals did that take place with? And beyond even the corruption, KT, the cooperation with um, Russia, the cooperation with China, the cooperation with um, the more criminal elements in Ukraine, the cooperation with Iran. There, there are things on that laptop that I think implicate a, a, a national security crisis and should be dealt with from a very sober position. I couldn't agree more. My worry is that it will not be, that Congress will uncover the kinds of things you're referring to, but that when it comes to prosecuting people or holding people accountable, that the Biden administration, Justice Department, that being a permanent Washington establishment, never holds its own accountable for anything. And that the media, for the first time in a long time that I can even think of in modern times, the media, American media, which is supposed to speak truth to power, has in fact become a tool and an arm of a far left wing political party and its Washington tentacles. Yeah, which is why, kind of coming full circle here, uh, even with a single platform like Twitter falling into the hands of someone who uh, is more neutral, um, you know, from a, from a political standpoint and willing to say, hey, uh, we're going to make everything public and kind of show what's happened here and hopefully set a different chart. To me, to watch the meltdown that's going on from the far left at the fact that Elon Musk would have the audacity to reveal some of the stuff that he's revealed and and they put it in the most apoplectic you know language possible oh he's mm -hmm. he's undermining democracy and he's ending the free world as we know it I mean there's all these horrible kind of end times kind of references that uh, you know hellfire and brimstone are going to break out because Elon Musk owns Twitter it's a little bit humorous if it wasn't so absolutely uh, serious to the point that when they lose even one megaphone, just one avenue of speech that they don't have absolute control over, that they literally uh, are willing to declare scorched earth and go on, on offense against. I mean, it's pretty sobering times we live in, KT. Yeah, and the worry I have is it, it's, it's sort of like a two-punch. So on one hand, you do have a China which is trying to infiltrate and affect American politics and, and spy. It's, it's replaced the United States 
as the dominant world power and then replace the whole international global system. So that's a threat from without. But we also have this threat from within, that there is a group that represents a certain ideology. It's a far-left socialist ideology. It's a hate America or America's fault first ideology. And they seem to have taken charge and taken hold of, infiltrated American education, higher higher education, um, corporate boardrooms, and the media and social media, yeah. as well as the Democrat Party. And it's sort of, are there any good guys left here? Mm. And that's that's a pretty scary thought. It I is. Mean, I think there are, but man, they're getting fewer and fewer by the minute. Well, and that's why we've got to speak louder and communicate even more effectively, which you always do when you're with us. Katie McFarland, thank you for being here. Honor and a pleasure, Kevin. All right. Kevin McCullough coming right back. Don't go away. <laughs> 